I did reinvent myself because I was looking for what is that next stage of my life going to be? Who am I going to be when I'm not just a stay-at-home mom, but not just a healthcare worker? What am I going to be? Who am I going to be? Are you a mom with a story to tell, but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author and I'm here to show you how, step by step, to get your books written, published, and sold, even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap. It's time to write like a mother with these moms write. Hey guys, it's Jackie. I often find that when we're talking about starting an author business for the first time, especially as moms, what we're really talking about is reinventing ourselves into people where maybe some aspect of ourselves that we have ignored finally gets to show up. Maybe that's our creativity, our humor, our dirty minds. Julia Jarrett is a contemporary romance author from BC, Canada. Julia was a stay-at-home mom and also a nurse who decided that rather than go back to her career in health when her kids were both in school, she wanted to do something different. She has built up a pretty amazing book business in just a few years, which I am so envious to say includes a book cover featuring TikTok celebrity hot boss, which I think that really just says it all. If you are a mom wondering what's next or you are a beginner author wondering if you really have what it takes and if this is going to pan out. Julia's story is an inspiration and just what you need to hear. Please welcome Julia Jarrett. Hello, Julia. Thanks for coming on the show yeah. today. Thank you. Happy to be here. What are you most excited about right now? I have a book release coming up at the end of the month, so I'm going a little crazy with that. And then I'm starting a few other projects as well. So it's, it's always a busy time. So you write contemporary romance. I do. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the journey about how you got started in that and then lead us up to that, that book (laughs) that you're releasing now. So I was, I worked in healthcare for many years. I still do sometimes. Um, But I quit my full-time job because my youngest, um, I could tell that he needed a little bit more parenting. Mm. Um, So I decided to stay home, be a stay-at-home mom. I'm very lucky that that was an option available to me. Um, But then when he started getting close to school age, I went, well, what am I going to do with my time? (laughs) (laughs) And we were camping one summer. Gosh, it must have been 2018, I think, summer of 2018. And um, I was saying this to my husband around the campfire one night after the kids are in bed, like, what am I going to do when they hit school? And he was completely joking, but he said, you know, you read so many romance novels. Why don't you write one? And I was like, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, right. Never going to happen. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, I couldn't sleep one night and I'm laying in bed and just this idea popped into my head for this couple. And I got out of bed, went downstairs, pulled out my ancient old laptop that barely worked at the time and just started writing at like 2 a.m. It was a it was a bumpy road at first. I, I went through some personal struggles that fall. And so it all kind of petered out and I gave it up for a while. And then I picked it back up. And um, that first book took a long time to get to the point where I was ready to release it. But I released that first one in May of 2020. Yeah, May of 2020. So 
Oh, yeah, wow, I released, so I released the yeah. first, yeah, I released the first series, all four books in 2020. All at once or just that? First no, um, no, all four in the first series. Um, okay. Where are they? Yeah, they're down there somewhere. Um, I released the first four. I spread them out by like two, three months. What? So, That's yeah. so fast. How did you go from not being a writer at all? to writing like four books in that space of time so I mean my books are on the shorter end like my full-length novels are still only about 65,000 words and those ones were even shorter those ones were like 50 55 so they were shorter Mm -hmm. um to be fair I didn't know what I was doing so they are not the best (laughs) there's a lot of things that I look back now and I go oh um I could have spent so much more time on character development and story arcs and everything like that but Mm -hmm. it just was one of those things where once I started having the idea they all came and I just I knew who the four Mm -hmm. stories were going to be in that series and I could I could see who they would be and it just kind of flowed um I also yeah I mean would I do it that way again no I would not go that quick at all. It was too fast. um, And I didn't take the time to properly learn marketing and writing to market and genre fiction. Like I didn't learn any of the pieces that you actually need to know to be a successful romance author. I just kind of word vomited onto a page and then published. (laughs) So (laughs) I mean, I had editors and all that kind of stuff, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, but that's so cool, though. You did do it. I mean, wow, that must have given you so much momentum. Yeah, it did. It did. And then last year, I just kind of kept that train running. And um, in the early part of the year, I think it was February or March, I released three novellas. It was March. Um, I did three novellas, one every two weeks that were part of a trilogy. So again, just banged them out. One, two, three. Um, and did a couple other like small things on the side. So basically, I, I do write fast and I don't stop. Yeah, you have a very um, impressive focus, I, I imagine, to get that much done. And so can you tell us more about your writing process? Like, what does that look like? Because you do have two kids. Yes. Yeah, it has definitely evolved over time. Um, and I would say it's slowing down in a lot of ways. Like I said earlier, you know, that first series, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of mistakes that I made, rookie mistakes, where I didn't take the time to develop characters properly. Um, I didn't take the time to really think through a story arc. And, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot of cringy things in that first series, but readers enjoyed it and it still makes me money. So cool. Yeah. Um, now I, I am definitely a lot slower. I spend a lot more time on character work. There go the dogs in the background. Sorry. <laughs> I spend a lot more time on character work. Like right now, I haven't even started writing the final book in my current series because I'm still trying to figure out who these characters are mm. and what are their emotional wounds and what are their triggers and how are they going to overcome that? And how are they going to come together and come apart and come together again? So there's a lot more character work I do. Um, once I've got that fairly well figured out, I do outline. Um, I don't always follow it to the T, but I do like to have an outline just chapter by chapter, the scenes that I want to see. And then I just start writing. And Mm -hmm. my goal is typically to get a chapter in a day. So that's between two and 3000 words a day while my kids are at school. Right. So that's the focus. Wow. (laughs) I'm so impressed a chapter a day. I think I'm a chapter a week at this time, but it's, I have heard from a lot of my friends that 
are jealous. I, I tend to be very fast at typing and very mm -hmm. fast at when I know what I'm writing, mm -hmm. it comes quickly. When I don't know what I'm writing, I sit and stare at the screen forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it varies. Yeah. And I think maybe your point about the outline is a good little one of Julia's little secrets is, yeah. you know, because that does give you that focus. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and one of the one of the things that I did back in the beginning that definitely was helpful um, and I think would be good for anybody trying to do any type of writing, because it certainly was not romance specific, is I discovered um, an online platform called edX. And it's, yeah, it's an online learning platform where a lot of universities and colleges put micro courses together for people. Mm -hmm. And the University of British Columbia, purely coincidental, that's where I live, um, their Department of Creative Writing put together a three-part series for new and emerging writers. And the first one was all on outlining. The second one was all on taking that outline and turning it into a draft. And the third one was all on revising. And I did, oh. I can't remember if I did all three of them, but I know I did the first two. And I credit that with a lot of how things then just came naturally to me. Because as I said, I hadn't done any, you know, other than that, I hadn't done any learning on story arcs or character arcs. But I think that course um, gave me enough of a foundation that then when I was writing, the the natural, you know, three-part story arc kind of came to me and it just mm -hmm. flowed the way that I wanted it to flow. So yeah. Yeah. Those were great I, courses. Yeah, that's that's a great um resource. I'll put that in the show notes as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Um, and check, make sure they're still offering that. Yeah, I haven't looked for years, but. So you came in as someone who didn't have a ginormous writing background. You, you mentioned that you were in healthcare. Like, mm -hmm. were you like in like clinical side yeah. of healthcare? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. in the hospitals. Yeah. So, I mean, my writing experience was writing chart notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my mother tells me that I used to write stories when I was like a small child, but mm -hmm. I don't have any real recollection of that. So storytelling and creativity is not really something that I ever thought was my strength. Yeah, I think that is so inspiring because a lot of, I think the the listeners to this podcast and the moms I talk to are really moms in that situation where mm -hmm. the writing is, it's like a reinvention of yes, yourself, you it know? It definitely is. And so I love your story because it's just, again, more evidence that you don't need to have, you know, gone and done an MFA in your no. 20s to become a, a writer and one yep. that's making money. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think reinvention is the perfect word for it um, because that's exactly how I see it for myself is mm -hmm. I did reinvent myself because I was looking for what is that next stage of my life going to be? Who am I going to be um, when I'm not just a stay-at-home mom, but not just a healthcare worker. What am I going to be? Who am I going to be? And so, you know, now I am a romance author. That is who I am. And it was very much a reinvention. So I love that word. Was there any hesitations or fears that you had to overcome? Because that is a pretty big, bold move, I think, <laughs> to just give up, you know, your, your medical experience. Like you had mm -hmm. a lot of training invested in that. Yeah. And yeah, I do still, I keep my toes in the water over there. You know, I still do a shift or two a month just to, I find it, you know, uses my brain in a different way and it's nice to get in there and have some adult interaction and, and yeah, it just, it stimulates me in a different way. So I do still 
you know, keep myself in that world very slightly. And when I first started this, my husband and I agreed that we were going to give it five years of as much effort as I can. Like, I don't want this to be a full-time career with a full-time income. It was Mm -hmm. always meant to be a part-time career with a part-time income. And so we said, okay, five years to get to a point where it replaces my part-time healthcare worker Mm -hmm. income within reason, obviously. Um, And so, you know, we're on year two of that and things are trending really well. And at that point, I may entirely back off on the healthcare. In terms of reservations Mm -hmm. about that, there was a little bit. There was a little bit of what are people going to think that I'm, you know, giving up this university educated career with pensions and benefits and (laughs) all of that stuff to write smutty books. Um, But I think as people, I mean, nobody ever came out right and said that. I think that was more in my head. Mm-hmm. And I think that as I've seen the success, I've started to believe more and more that this is possible. The doubts still creep in. Imposter syndrome, comparison, like that is very much always there. But, uh, you know, when, when you start to see those little decisions and those little actions building up to something really cool, uh, it helps. Yeah. And how do you feel now? It's a toss up. I mean, in a lot of ways, this career for all that I said, I wanted it to be part time, it is all consuming. Mm. Because I'm not just the writer, I'm the writer, I'm the coordinator, I'm the marketer, I'm the publisher, I'm not the editor, thank goodness. Um, (laughs) But you know, you carry a lot of hats. And so for all that I say, I only want to be working on my author career, you know, 20 to 25 hours a week, it ends up being a lot more than that. So Mm. sometimes there's this push pull of, I want to be outside doing something with my kids, but I've got to create these social media posts and get them up, or I've got to record a live, or I've got to, you know, there's always that push pull. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the freedom of being self-employed, working from home, I mean, especially over the last two years with the pandemic and everything, that has been a blessing. It's, you know, you can't trade that in. So knowing that my success lies on myself is terrifying, but also really empowering. Yeah, I think that sums it up so perfectly. Um, Especially like someone coming from such a big institutional setting. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And that was part of it is I hated that big institutional setting. The, you know, the restrictions that are on you and, you know, the fact that you can work your butt off and not necessarily get recognized for it. That's not always a a, a healthy place to be either. Whereas when it's you and you're seeing the feedback directly from your readers and you're getting those messages that say how much they love your books and, and all that it's, yeah, it's a, it's a direct line to filling your soul. Yeah. I love that. I also agree that like any, whenever you get feedback from, from myself, from listeners or for readers from my previous book, like it's, it's so powerful Mm -hmm. in in a way that I have done workshops through my day job, but there's, yeah, there's something, like you said, more of a direct line to your soul when it's Mm -hmm. through this creativity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I think writing is peeling a little piece of your heart off and putting it on a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what you're writing, um, you're putting yourself on that page. And so when that is received positively, that feels good. That feels really good. When it's received negatively, you have to kind of shake it off. But um, That's true. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. not all rainbows and unicorns. No, no, it's not. My favorite one-star review 
Um, I actually had it turned into a wine glass because I loved it so much. Uh, she went on and on about how the book was, according to her, nothing but sex. And she finished her review by saying, my, what a dirty mind this author has. So I turned that into a wine glass. Oh, that is great. The funny thing is like the book she was talking about was probably my lightest book. So good thing she didn't read anymore. Oh man, that is really priceless. Yeah. And what about the sex part? Like how, how did you first figure out like the technical aspects of writing like a sexy book? Did you just jump in? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, as I like, the reason I started is because that's what I would read. Right. Mm, I right. was drawn to romance as a genre when I was a teenager, you know, it started with Outlander and then kind of moved on from there. I can remember being in my early 20s and, you know, using my library account on my Kobo and getting all the Susan Mallory books. And I loved romance. I loved love. Mm. And just that for me, reading is an escape. I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't play video games. So when I need to escape, mm. I go to romance because it is, it's this perfect, idealistic, light and fluffy, beautiful, happy world. And so that's what I write because that's what I like to read. And, you know, the the sex scenes, yeah, they're awkward to write sometimes and they're hard to write sometimes um, because you want to not only get the mechanics of it, but you want to get the emotions of it and you want it to be unique and creative without, for me, being too out there because I'm not, I'm not that dirty. <laughs> On the grand spectrum of romance, I'm like kind of in the middle. <laughs> So, um, but you know, it, it, it is, it's hard to get it right. Sometimes um, I'm lucky that I have a phenomenal core group of author friends that are like, they are my sisterhood in this journey. And one of them is the queen of dirty writing. So anytime any of us get stuck, we just call May and say, May help. That's <laughs> and so she funny. kind of helps us work through it. And it's funny that it's even described as dirty, right? It makes me think of like, as a teen, how terrified we are, like that our reputation will be besmirched or yes. I, I wonder if there's some of that hangover. Yeah, there's a lot of social issues tied into romance. And I mean, even the word dirty, mm -hmm. that is actually even one that I want to try and remove because what's the opposite of dirty? Clean. And that's yeah. not okay. That's yeah. not okay. We don't need to be saying that sex is dirty or clean. Sex is just sex. It should right. be normal. If you want to read it, great. If you don't want to read it, fine. Um, so it's there's a lot of social things that we tackle in romance that I think mm. is really, it can be really powerful, even if you do it in subtle ways. Um, you know, normalize consent, normalize protection, normalize conversation, normalize respect. Like all of these things can be done, whether you're writing a super dark and taboo romance or my kind of light and fluffy easy ones, mm -hmm. you know, you can tackle some really heavy issues in it that I think need to be tackled. Mm -hmm. And has writing about sex and romance, has it changed your view of sex and romance or? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I was, I, a lot of people were very shocked when they read my first book because I was the modest one. I was the conservative one, you know, not in terms of, of viewpoints or anything, but just, I was, a lot more quiet and kind of kept a lot of that stuff to myself. And then, you know, some of my friends didn't realize what kind of book I was writing. <laughs> and then they read that first one and went, what? Julia. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's, I mean, my mom's read my books. Like 
it, it, it has normalized it for me quite mm-hmm. a lot where it's like, yeah. this is part of humanity. It's part of life. It's part of a relationship, whether it's a good relationship or a bad relationship, unfortunately, sex often plays a part. So let's open up the conversations. And I mean, I, I have two boys, right? So I'm raising two little boys who I want to be like the men in my books in terms of how they treat Roman women and the respect that they show around intimacy and relationships. So mm-hmm. I, I love that because often there is something that we find awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe for you, it was writing those first sex scenes, but then you get to a point where you, you just lean in and, and you do it. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, yeah, it's no big deal. I'm just writing some hot, hot exactly. shower. Exactly. No time. big deal. No big deal. Right. I mean, it's, can... it's funny because like there are, there's a couple of words that I cannot bring myself to use <laughs> and I get teased about it from my author friends relentlessly. And so I have kind of said, okay, fine, you know, maybe mm. someday I'll start another series or another pen name where I'll use those words. But, you know, I think everybody has a different comfort level. Yeah. Um, as I said, I'm kind of in the middle on the spectrum of how steamy, how racy do you get? Yeah. And I have found that over time, I've definitely become more racy. Mm. Um, my latest two books, a lot of my regular readers, my review readers were like, Julia, my goodness, you like took a step forward. Um, but it felt like a very natural progression for me to kind of venture into that more spicy side of things. Mm-hmm. And that is a yeah, I like that. It's a good reminder that you just start wherever you're at, and yes. and if if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to do that right oh, away. But you definitely just, don't. No. Mm-hmm. And and it, I mean, I think there's a big misconception that romance is one of two things. It's either closed door, you see nothing, or it's mm-hmm. wild and crazy, Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. No, there is so much in between that. And there are so many amazing authors that write in between that. Um, And I think that, okay, I'm biased because that's what I write. But in my opinion, those are the books that have the most impact in normalizing these things. Mm. Right. Because those are the books that are relatable to people. Um, Those are the books that you read and you go, Oh yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see that happening. And that's what I've also always wanted to write. I like it being relatable. I like that people can see themselves in my stories. So Mm. the one that comes out at the end of April, actually um, the biggest feedback that I've had is that people can actually see themselves in those characters. They, can look at Paige, who's the heroine, and go, oh my gosh, like, I see myself in her. And to me, that's the biggest compliment that I could get, that I've written a character that is so relatable for people that they could see themselves as her. Mm-hmm. I like that too, because I think that's probably what would appeal to me as a reader, is that, mm-hmm. yeah, that middle ground. Yeah. But I do want to know what those two words are that you won't write. <laughs> oh, the two words that I won't write? Uh, <laughs> let me make sure my children are not in earshot. <laughs> Um, I, I can never bring myself to write the word pussy and I cannot bring myself to write the word cunt. I just can't, I just can't. I just, there's just something about those two words that is not comfortable for me. I can read them. No problem. I don't care if somebody else uses them, but I, and it's interesting because over time I'm, I'm coming to a part where I'm like, okay, maybe I could. All right. I guess I could write this. All right, fine. But I still haven't, (laughs) not yet. (laughs) Never written them yet. That's great. Um, there's a mom that I met in the park and I was talking about something being moist 
She, that was a word she that was, that is a triggering word for people <laughs> but not one of your words no. you can use moist with wild I abandon I, I don't because i don't like it but i could <laughs> actually i think my baker in book two i think she probably said it like once or twice but okay yeah i have no idea i'm learning things every day oh talking, yeah yeah that is a unpleasant word <laughs> okay so your new book is coming out and that's yes. the one um with page yes and you sound like you have gotten the marketing side of things down pretty well can you tell us about you know you, you mentioned your journey as a writer and mm -hmm. where you got the some of your initial support from and you just kind of did it messy and you know learned from there but yep. what about that whole other side the marketing side how have you learned that fumbling in the dark throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks <laughs> uh, <laughs> i wish there was like a perfect answer like i did it this way do it my way and you will all be successful but that is not how it works mm. um if there's one thing i've learned it's that what works for one author will fail miserably for another <laughs> so i what has what has worked for me is remembering that slow improvement is better than no improvement um, because certainly up until I would say January of this year, and I'll explain why things changed then, but up until January of this year, so all last year, it was very slow growth. It was mm. slow, careful decisions, taking courses in advertising mm. on Facebook or on Amazon, um, making sure that I had all of my platforms going and I had my newsletter going and I was mm. active on Instagram and, and figuring out who I was on that platform. Um, building a review team. So those mm. are readers that get my books before anybody else. Mm. They read them, they share about them on social media, and they are guaranteed to have a review on or close to review day for me. So that that um, social proof is there for me right away. Mm -hmm. So like I said, a lot of last year was throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticked. Some of it did, some of it didn't. I had to take a deep breath as I watched some of my peers really just catapulting themselves into higher levels of success, whereas I was crawling. Mm. Um, but that crawl was okay with me. What made a big difference for me personally, and again, this does not work for many other authors, is I started with my books exclusive in Kindle Unlimited. So they were only available on Amazon. And the ebooks were free for people that had a Kindle Unlimited subscription. But that meant that I could not have them anywhere else. They mm. could not be on Kobo or Apple or Barnes and Noble or Google or anywhere else. And I was finding that, so they measure, they measure your success on there by page reads. So how many pages of your book are read? And my page reads were pathetic, like mm. abysmally low. But my sales of ebooks like full ebooks purchased from Amazon were a lot better, not great, but better. And so um, last summer, May, June time, um, right before I started my new series, my current series, I talked with a lot of people, a lot of, you know, far bigger authors than me that I was lucky enough to make connections with and made the decision to do what's called going wide. So now mm. my books are not in Kindle Unlimited, but they are everywhere else. Mm. And that was the absolute game changer for me last year. Oh, um, you know, within two months, I had tripled my royalties. Um, wow. My readers were wide. 
my readers uh. were on Google and Apple is a huge one for me right now. Um, and the marketing tactics that you can use when you're wide, like putting the first book in your series to be permanently free for everybody everywhere. You can't do that in Kindle Unlimited and mm. using those tactics and, and using different types of advertising was what really worked for me, but it truly was fumbling in the dark mm -hmm. to figure it all out. And um, when I say don't necessarily copy what I did, I mean it because I have friends that made the exact same decision. And now seven, eight months down the road, they're going back to Kindle Unlimited because why did not work for them? Wow. Whereas yeah. for me, that has been absolutely the best decision I could make. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that I talked about in there is sort of those bigger name authors. And I think that that's a huge piece is building connections. So right from the get-go, I made an effort to build connections with authors that I felt were similar to who I wanted to be as an author, mm. but advanced. Yeah. A little <laughs> I mean, ahead. Of, yeah. And some of them have become very dear friends of mine now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of them that we're meeting for a retreat in November down in Oregon. And these are, these are women that have been writing for, you know, eight, nine, 10 years. And this is their full-time salary. This is their income. This is what they do for a living. So they know what they're talking about. And I, made friendships with them. I bugged them until they accepted me. <laughs> um, and so now I have sort of this forum of people that when I get stuck or I have questions, mm. I can go to and say, mm. what do you think? And learn from them. And uh, one of them, Vivian Wood, she's a very best-selling dark romance author. You know, she said to me the other day, she's like, Julia, you're making all the decisions that I wish I had made 10 years ago. So mm. you're going to be where I am far faster because you're making these smart decisions about aligning yourselves with people that can give you good advice personalized to you and, and help you make some of those spaghetti decisions. Yeah. I think that is such a great, uh, I, I'm impressed that you just did that naturally because I've heard that a lot about surrounding yourself yeah, with people as being one of the key paths to, you know, elevating you, taking you to the next level in, in anything that you Definitely. are at. Yeah. Is that something, is there like that you just came to intuitively or is it like one of those transferable skills from like your past career that you're like, oh, we do this in health, so I'm going to do it here? I think it's um, transferable, but not necessarily in that way. I think I'm used to having to talk to doctors and talk to managers and talk to families and talk to, I'm used to having to do that in my mm -hmm. other career. Yeah. So talking to people, I can do that. That being said, I also, because of that other career, I am very big on relationship building. Mm -hmm. So um, don't ever cold call somebody. Don't ever just message an author and be like, Hey, I like you be my friend. <laughs> no, um, don't message somebody randomly and be like, Hey, how did you do X, Y, Z? No, yeah, take no. the time to build those connections. And so it, it was somewhat intuitive for me to, I'm thinking of one author, the one that I'm going to Oregon with Roxy Noir. She writes incredible small town romance, um, romantic comedy, sorry, lost the words oh. there. And I just loved her books. Yeah. And so I would just be messaging her saying how much I loved her books. And, you know, she'd post something on Instagram and I'd comment on it and she'd post mm -hmm. a funny story and I'd message her about it. And we just kind of went back and mm -hmm. forth like that for probably eight months or so before one day she just said, Hey, I'm in this chat group over on Slack, which is like this app with a whole bunch of other authors. Do you want to join us? And I was like, uh -huh. 
yeah. <laughs> and that's how I met a lot of these, you know, far more prolific and successful authors than I am. And, you know, they kind of took me under their wing and, and it, and it built those, those connections and friendships very organically. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's where social media is so powerful is mm -hmm. it gives you the ability to build those connections. Um, but they need to be organic. They need to be natural. I had somebody reach out to me just the other day, uh, asking if she could pay me to review her book, which number one is against Amazon terms of service. So I had to say no, but it was just this cold call. Like, Hey, yeah. I don't know you, but read my book and I'll pay you. Yeah. That's icky to me. Yeah. So build the relationships organically and then you're yeah. good. I think that's, um, also a good piece of advice is that like be authentic. So don't, mm -hmm don't do something that feels artificial, mm -hmm. follow your curiosity and always mm -hmm. be curious, right? Like yes. you said, you just really like her stuff. So you react, responded to her posts and, yeah. you know, it's yeah. that exchange of energy. And then exactly, you know, when you find yeah. someone that you have that same, like beyond like the same vibration or, you know, yes, absolutely. It, yeah. It, it evolves. It, it does. And I mean, there's, you know, there's other connections that haven't gone the way that it did with Roxy, where, you know, now we are friends. Um, Zoe York is a Canadian romance author based out in Ontario. And again, she's very successful. She's written books on how to write romance. And that one was, it didn't turn into a friendship. It more was a mentor mentee thing where I would ask her questions and based on, you know, her, her experience, teaching other authors, I would ask her questions and she would answer and we would have this back and forth. So mm -hmm. now, you know, she puts my stuff in her newsletter. I put her stuff in my newsletter. So now we have that kind of mm. reciprocal connection. So that yeah. is, it's a huge part of marketing is who, you know, and building those, those bridges with people that are that little bit bigger than you or a lot bit bigger than you. Yeah. Um, the thing with books is you're never going to saturate the market because readers are always going to want more. So mm -hmm. it really doesn't need to be competition. I like what you say about highlighting like the relationship part of it. So yes. it's not just, it's not just a swap, like a swap is something that might come out of it, but it's really being intentional in, in finding your author people because they yes. are out there and they're on social media now, which yes. means you yeah. can find them mm -hmm. and reaching out. And them. reaching out. Yeah. And I think that, you know, another piece of that, that authors don't, that I see them not always thinking about is connecting with people that are like you. So yeah. write books like you are going to have a similar audience to you mm. makes all of that sharing far more powerful. For example, if I made friends, so I, I made friends with Vivian Wood. I'm not going to share Vivian's stuff in my newsletter because my readers like the steamy, light and fluffy small town romance. Mm -hmm. She writes the dark, gritty, super spicy, dark stuff. There's not, do you know what I mean? Like your, yeah. your apples and oranges a little bit there. So sure. There yeah. might be some crossover, but it's not going to be as powerful as Zoe York who writes spicy small town, Julia Jarrett who writes spicy small town, you know? And so I think that people that think, well, I'll just ask everybody to yeah. be my friend. No, don't do that. That, that, that doesn't help you and it doesn't yeah. help them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you need to find your people. Mm -hmm. And we do a limited amount of time that we can spend on social media because we have those 3000 words a day. <laughs> and those we, two small children and those yeah. two dogs. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, so be, be somewhat strategic. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't throw spaghetti at the wall like I do.
Well, I think some spaghetti is good. I mean, some depending... spaghetti. Minimal spaghetti. Yeah. I hope that your walls aren't white because that's not oh, a good look. Wow. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, I've been lucky. I've been lucky that, you know, some of my wild and crazy ideas panned out really, really well. So. Mm-hmm. But I, and I've heard people use that word luck before. And I think, is it luck or is it, you know, you're taking risks and you're putting yourself out there. And yeah, sometimes that's going to be a fail. But if you do that enough times, then it's actually you creating your own luck, right? Yeah, I agree. I do think there is a certain level of, um, on, you know, manifesting what you want and, and putting it out there that Mm -hmm. I'm going to try this and I want it to be successful. And there you go. Um, but I do also think, as you said, there's, there's risks and you have to take those risks. You have to calculate whether it's truly the reward could truly be worth it. I mean, mm-hmm. one that I did, I think I mentioned January, how that just kind of went like this for me. Um, my book that came out in January, I put a viral TikTok star on the cover. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a Canadian guy. He lives, um, he's from BC and he is like next level viral on TikTok with hundreds of thousands of followers. And I, he had done one book cover before and I was like, he'd be really good on this cover. I wonder it was not a small financial investment. Um, but yeah. it came with his audience yeah. and his promotional power yeah. and it paid off for itself like that. Oh, wow. So, That's incredible. <laughs> you know, and, and that opened me up to a huge new audience of people that would have taken me forever to reach on my own. Yeah. So is that the one with the books behind? Uh, no, that is another TikTok guy. <laughs> oh, because I was thinking I have, that. I was like, that guy yeah, looks like... I, I, have two, I have two TikTok guys. So uh, Work and Play, this is Rylan Straloff. So a oh. lot of people know him as Hot Boss on TikTok. Because oh, and that was about manage, the boss. <laughs> yeah, because he used to know... Uh, he used to manage a clothing store in BC. And he and a coworker started making TikToks about how her boss was so hot. Oh my gosh. And is that the one where she's always like doing stuff and then he comes in? Yeah. And yeah. like she, yeah. she has like, Oh, I know the music. It's like, yeah. she has this steamy yeah. music. The songs. On. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's bow, how it started. Bow, bow, bow. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how that all started. And then um, Rylan was wanting to get into book covers and more sort of branding and marketing and that kind of thing. And so I reached out to him. Oh my goodness. How long ago now? Probably last summer. I think I reached out to him and he had a friend that did this photography, which is the guy on the bookstore cover. (laughs) And, um, they were like, yeah, we totally want to be on a Canadian romance. That's amazing. Let's make this work. Cause I was like, my books are set in West coast of Canada. Like they're set in BC. I'm BC. He's BC. It just was like one of those really cool kind of kismet things. And, um, I mean, now he's doing it officially like as a career and some really big name authors are are using him, which is great, but I was his second book cover. Oh my God. I guess. Yeah. There's some luck there. The timing was pretty awesome. The timing was perfect. And I mean, I, I have, I have an assistant now who, you know, even though I'm not making enough of a profit to really afford her, she is the other half of my brain and I could not do this without her. And so she, she is a marketing expert and we came up with an amazing 
marketing plan for the month of January when that book came out. So, you know, we had eight days of the first book in the series being free that we were pushing hard and a whole bunch of other things that all lined up perfectly to -hmm. make that book release just soar. So, you know, that's where I kind of say some of it is luck, some of it is strategy, Mm -hmm. some of it is spaghetti on the wall, and some of it is just manifesting like, hey, I want this to work. Totally. So, yeah. The Julia method. <laughs> exactly. I think Those we can sell that. Yeah, we, we can could, sell it. Hey? Of course. Yeah. We can launch yeah. the course. Let's do it. <laughs> the cart so. is open. Uh-huh. Um, that's yeah. just so fun. I love that you did that. Yeah, it's it's been great. And I mean, we had a ton of people that wanted signed paperbacks. So we did a huge run of signed paperbacks by the two of us. Um, and I mean, like the, the one that's coming out in April with Justin, who's his photographer friend on the cover, we have people, cause he's also on TikTok, not quite as big as our Island, but getting there. Yeah. And we've got people that want his signature. And I mean, it's like when people are fans of something, they are fans of yeah. something. And I think that if you can tap into that and use that for your benefit. Yeah, that's so fun. So what advice would you give to yourself? Maybe, you know, if Mm -hmm. Julia could magically appear at that camp site when your husband first suggested, is he your, your real life book boyfriend? He sure is. Oh, okay. I was, I was like, does that mean she has a boyfriend? No, no. He is my real life book boyfriend. Okay. He is just perfect. Ah. Well, perfectly imperfect. Nobody's perfect. No one's perfect. But when he gave you that wonderful gem of an idea, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give yourself? I would say take him seriously, first of all, like don't laugh it off. Mm. Um, But I think if I were to go back to the girl that started writing that story, um, I would tell her to keep going, even when she thinks that this is completely pointless Mm. and stupid. But I would also say to her, slow down and do the work because Um, I definitely got caught up in the excitement of wanting to hit publish and I figured I could hit publish and people would buy my book. doesn't happen like that. You get the 10 people that are your friends and family and that's who buys your book. Um, so I think that would be my biggest piece of advice is I would tell her to slow down. I would tell her to slow down and learn the background stuff, um, learn the foundation that is going to support the building that is your books. So, cause I didn't learn that until much later on. Yeah. It's always easy to rush ahead, isn't it? Yep. And hindsight is twenty twenty. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I know a few authors that were far slower to publish and, and really took their time to do that. And they're just as neurotic as I am. So really there's, <laughs> there's no like obvious answer. No, no. Am I happy with where I'm at now? Yes, absolutely. Um, Would I like to be farther along? Sure. Who wouldn't? But yeah, the decisions that I made led me to this point and this point is pretty cool. So yeah, this point includes Hot Boss. Wait, before we end, did you get to meet Hot Boss? I haven't yet um, because it was funny. We were going to, he was flying through Vancouver and then we had some issues um but so the bookstore on the one that's coming out right now it's a bookstore in nelson british columbia called uh notably bookish 
And the owner, Samara, is an absolute sweetheart. So she actually stocks the books on her shelves. And we've talked about trying to do some kind of signing. So my hope is that if we do a signing, I'll I'll get Rylan and Justin, um, plus maybe the girls that are on the covers as well, because one of them's from Kelowna and one of them's from Nelson as well. And, you know, get them all there and we can sign some books. Uh and, And yeah, I would love to meet them. They're great guys. They really are just awesome, awesome men. And yeah, it'd be kind of fun to be like, hey, look. These are my guys. Yeah. <laughs> the two hotties from TikTok. The two just hanging TikTok. out with all the time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it is amazing what you've achieved in the amount of time. So where can people catch up with you? So I would say I am the most active on Instagram. So if you just search up Julia Jarrett author on Instagram, that is where you can find me. Um, I also do send a newsletter out twice a month that is full of updates from me, recommendations on more books, free books that my friends are giving away and just some general fun stuff. Um, I am on TikTok. I'm terrible on TikTok, but you can find me on TikTok. (laughs) And then I'm also on Facebook. So I have my own reader group, but then I also have an amazing group that my good group of friends and I run called the steam room and we have a ton of fun in there as well. So you can find me everywhere. Spicy. All right. Perfect. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So here are the top takeaways. Number one, don't rush it. There are many parts that go into creating a book such as story and character arc and you can possibly compromise them if you don't take the time but also you can totally rush it if you want to because that works too sometimes number two being an indie author and knowing that your success relies on yourself can be pretty terrifying at times but also very empowering number three turn your bad reviews into wine glasses. Number four, if you are writing romance, know what your comfort level is and know that it may move as you progress through your books. Number six, if you are exclusive to Kindle, you may want to consider going wide. In Julia's case, she found that her readers were on Apple and Google. Number seven, build connections with other authors. Surrounding yourself with people that are in the same energetic space as you are doing what you want to do is so important for success. Number eight, when you are making those author friends, make sure they are writing in the same genre as you because that can be very fruitful later when you are leveraging your audiences. And number nine, when people are fans of something, they are fans of something. And if you can leverage that, I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was super fun to talk to Julia. As always, I would love it if you could rate or review my podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your shows. That helps me continue to bring amazing authors like Julia to you. If you haven't already, definitely join my Facebook group and the newsletter. Links to those are both in the show notes. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, happy writing.